You were the chosen one, Titanium. Oh, sorry, I was just uh, writing a brand new script that's wholly original. Thank you for joining me once again on the Titanium Mine. So recently, during the Summer Games Fest and the Bethesda Showcase, all of the good gaming news that came out, we got a little bit more information about the KOTOR Remake. And I had mentioned that it actually seems like one of the best uses of the remake strategy because it was such a great game and uh, could really benefit from modern technology bringing it into the present day. Now, I thought about that and realized that I never really did an episode where I talked about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So we're going to do that now. When this originally came out, there were two games that LucasArts was talking about. They were talking about KOTOR, and they were talking about Bounty Hunter, which was where you played Boba Fett, and it was an action game. And I remember looking at the catalogs that were coming out at the time, and me and my friends just kind of going, well, the, the Boba Fett thing looks really cool. I don't know about this Knights of the Old Republic thing. Uh, maybe because Boba Fett was such a notable character... Uh, but uh, we just uh, didn't have that much interest in whatever this new time period was that they were promoting. The upshot so many years later, though, is that I, I never have actually played Star Wars, Boba Fett, Bounty Hunter, whatever it was called, nor did it really get all that much acclaim. Knights of the Old Republic, on the other hand, totally different story. Developed by BioWare... This was a game that took inspiration from classic, like, tabletop RPGs in the way it was set up and your, your party development and everything like that. And it utilized the idea of Star Wars, the planets, the setting, the lore, the conflict between the light side and the dark side, and it made for truly one of the greatest RPGs ever. The game starts out pretty simply. You are this person who has no real memory of what has happened in recent days, but you are awoken to just explosions going off on the Endar Spire and are aware pretty quickly that this ship is going down. Uh, a man named Trask comes into your sleeping quarters and says, We gotta go now because the Sith are here. And uh, we gotta do something about that. You know, like the, the, this, this empire is here. And I think that there was a dark Jedi. So you gotta get your clothes on and we gotta run. And this is the tutorial section of the game where you're basically running through this exploding ship. Great way to introduce the world, the characters, and the battle system. Really good. Soon after this escape, you uh, find yourself on the sprawling skyscraper city on Terrace. And at this point, you have met some of the other characters, like Cartho Nassi, and have uh, realized that your first mission here is to really get away from a big dude named Darth Malak. And uh, Malak is hunting you, 
but more specifically hunting a Jedi named Bastila Shan. So your mission becomes pretty clear. We got to find Bastila and any allies we can find along the way are going to be really beneficial. And so this is where you really get into the meat and potatoes of the game, realizing all of these other characters that give you glimpses into the world itself. Like, Karth is like a, a soldier in the Republic. And so you get his perspective from things. You meet Mission Veo and Zalbar, and they're like the rogues, the scouts, that are in the underbelly of this city. You meet Candorous Ordo, who always seems to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was Mandalorian, uh, and then the Mandalorians lost during the war to the Republic, and in some ways he's never been able to shake the culture and the place that he came from, and still doesn't really like the fact that he's in this world, but also kind of respects the Jedi for how tenacious and ferocious they were in combat. And the Jedi he is referring to are Malak and his master, Revan. And then, of course, you meet Bastila on this planet, where you get to find, like, your inroad to the Jedi Order itself. Also, T3M4, who is your little service droid, utility droid in this, because we always need an R2-D2 in every single Star Wars variant. T3M4 is that. Over the course of the game, though, you do meet a few other characters, although the majority of them are on Terrace itself. But you meet Jolie Bindo, who is a gray Jedi who has kind of holed himself up in the woods of Kashyyyk uh, because he didn't really live by the ways of the Jedi Order. You meet Jahani, who is a Cathar, and she is having like a crisis where she's being pulled to the dark side. She's also a Jedi. Uh, so you see things from that perspective. And then, of course, you meet the best character of all time on Tatooine, HK-47, who is an assassin droid. Although when you first meet him, you are under the impression that he is a translator droid. But he kind of pulls double duty, I suppose. And as I mentioned, the planets that they take you to in this game are going to be very unique and in some ways a little familiar because Tatooine is very iconic for the Star Wars franchise. Kashyyyk, which is where the Wookiees live, is also fairly well known. And then they introduce a few other places. Dantooine, which you probably had not heard too much about, but that's where the actual Jedi Council is, so you visit there. Manan, which is like a complete water planet that is the home of the Selkath, and Korriban, which is kind of desolate, but it's also a uh, Sith training facility. The mission becomes pretty clear once you get to Dantooine, which is that you're actually trying to find these star maps so that you can pinpoint the coordinates of a lost planet, so that you can find this thing called the Star Forge, which is an ancient piece of technology that Malik is desperately seeking in his bid for power over the galaxy. Needless to say, you need to find it first so Malik doesn't do that. In terms of the mechanics, I mean, the battle system is real efficient in that you have a bunch of different options for actions that you can take, and you can queue up something like four actions at a time. But if at any time you want to determine who you are actually attacking, 
uh, how you want to strategize. You can pause the action entirely. It's a similar system to what Bioware would do later in games like Dragon Age. But I think the most interesting mechanic that they put into the game was the light side, dark side scale. Uh, basically, as you perform actions in the game and make decisions, you are pulled either to the light side or the dark side. And this isn't just a cosmetic part, although there is a cosmetic element. Uh, unlike some games that have implemented this sort of, you know, good side, bad side system, what they do in KOTOR is really make it clear that the characters are going to be affected by this. The relationship that you have with the other people in this world, they're going to notice certain things. And it's also going to give you some extra powers and access to specific force powers down the line. And it's also not just like, oh, I, I eat one of these crunchy chicks and I get uh, negative points, I get bad boy points, or I eat an apple and I get good boy points, which is like the system that Fable had. No shade to Fable, because I do love that game. But they instead go in the way of, like, are you going to inspire these soldiers to fight back, uh, you know, the raiders, or are you going to give them a lackluster speech because you actually want the raiders to win because they've offered you more money? And these are long-term ramifications. When you go to Kashyyyk, you can help the Wookiees get a uh, armed rebellion together against Zerka Corporation that has basically started to enslave them. Or you can work for Zerka Corporation. But if you work for, like, the Wookiees, at the end of all of this, you will watch as the Wookiees take back their planet from Zerka. It has long-ranging implications by the decisions that you make. And that will also affect your karma, essentially, in this game. This extends all the way to the very end of the game, where you get to make some really serious decisions about yourself, the other characters, uh, how their stories resolve, and also what you're ultimately going to do. If you're going to do the, you know, the dark side path of essentially what Malik was going to do, but do it yourself, or the, uh, you know, light side of, you know, shutting all of this down. And it really is one of those things where if you want to be evil, you can be, like, real evil. Like, really evil. Uh, I, I won't spoil anything for you, but, I mean, there are times where you can just order one of your teammates to kill another one of your teammates. Like, literally, that's a thing you can do. You can eliminate your own team very quickly in this game. And it's an option. It's absolutely an option for you. KOTOR also doesn't overstay its welcome. There are a lot of games that are longer than they need to be. And again, you can have a 100-hour game that's perfectly the right length because it deserved 100 hours. You can have a 5-hour game that overstays its welcome. KOTOR is smart. It's about 30 hours long, and it it is exactly the length it really needs to be to tell its story, to tell it well, to level you up to level 20, and to get you to the end zone without feeling like the game is wasting your time. It's a really good length. It's a really 
excellent story with very cool characters, wonderful worlds to explore. It is definitely a 10 out of 10 for me. It always has been, and it continues to be, and I am looking forward to whatever the remake is. Okay, so let's say that you like the spacey kind of games, and uh, you you want to have some, like, super-powery stuff going on, and you like to have, like, rich narrative and cool worlds to visit. But maybe you're not big into, like, the turn-based strategy part of this. Well, I have a perpetual favorite of mine that I like to talk about, The Outer Worlds. Uh, made by Obsidian Entertainment, who are also the people that made KOTOR 2, the Sith Lords, the follow-up to the game that I just discussed. And The Outer Worlds is really like a first-person ARPG, and it has those same sort of plot-driven narrative choices where you can determine like the fates of entire towns by the actions that you take and will lead you essentially down paths of being good or bad. They don't really implement a morality system in the way that KOTOR does, but your actions are definitely taken note of by other people in the world and does affect how they view you, uh, even your crew themselves. It's a kind of a blast to play, truly. Uh, it, it is a lot of fun. And I can't tell you that it's necessarily as deep or as well-built as a KOTOR, but if you're looking for something that is much more action-oriented but still has that outer space sci-fi feel that you got from KOTOR and still want like a, a narrative-rich RPG where you have choices and consequences, uh, yeah, The Outer Worlds is a good option, uh, a good alternative if you need it. Well, it looks like I definitely don't have the high ground, so I am going to say that uh, you might as well get the high ground and mosey on out of here. Uh, don't forget to go toward the light side. No, no, not the light. No, don't go toward the light. I, I swear we're going to have another episode. So you can come back. Okay, well... Okay. No, 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 come back from the light. Come back from the light. <laughs>